Uh, this morning, you guys, we are, uh, we're going to go through um, the, the chapter, of, uh, of chapter 2 of Proverbs. Um, we're going to talk about wisdom. I want to start, and I don't, I don't think we'll have this up on the screen, but I want to start reading to you guys Proverbs 1, 25 to 28 to just to get us rolling with this, the concept that uh, chapter 2 is going to get us into. Proverbs 1, starting verse 25, said this, Because you've ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. It's a wonderful little comforting section of Scripture right there. And you may say, wow, God, what is it that you're saying there? It's actually not God specifically that's talking in a roundabout way it is. But chapter 1 of of Proverbs uh, talks about wisdom. And it actually personifies wisdom as a woman. And, And wisdom is speaking out at this point. And wisdom is saying, is saying, look, if you turn from your own wisdom to my wisdom, then you're going to be helped. But if you reject me, when everything falls apart, I'm going to laugh at you. Again, God is not the one laughing at you. But, but poetically, it's saying that, that God, even in a way that it's, it's not just for Christians, but in a, in a, in a term that's called common grace where there is truth and there is wisdom in living and morals and ethics and values that some would say are common sense but really aren't all that common at times. Uh, that, that God makes available to, to all to say, if you live this way, your life will be better. If you choose this way, your life will be harder. Well, what is wisdom? Um, just very in a very short definition, wisdom is knowledge manifested or even better than that would be truth manifested. Because you may know something that's, or think something that's not really the truth, that's not accurate, and you manifest it and it can be foolish. But wisdom is truthful knowledge that's manifested. And the opposite of wisdom is not ignorance, but it's foolishness. Because ignorance is when, when you just don't know. But as I said before, because of, what, uh, because of common grace and because what God offers this world is, is, there, is there is truth and there's wisdom that is applicable and it's attainable for people if they, if they get it. Not, and you don't even have to be a Christian uh, to, to extend your arms for it. It's extended to all, but many reject wisdom. You guys, wisdom is, is foundational. Um, it's... It's something that uh, uh, it's to, to learn truth and to be wise is something that's always going to be useful. But listen to me. Wisdom is not always God's direction. It's not always God's timing. But it always is His foundation. You, are you with me? Uh, wisdom is not always God's direction, but it is always your foundation. Uh, there's times in which in life you know, okay, if this plus this equals this, if the circumstance looks like this, the wisest thing um, is to choose this. And there are times in which, uh, especially when you start thinking about, man, should I go, 
should I go, uh, I mean, God's calling me to, to change something big in my life. And there may be, when you kind of add up the pros and cons, and, and, and there may be some things about just some elements of wisdom that you say, you know what, I, I, it's not the right timing for this. We don't have enough money to adopt. We don't, you know, we, you know to, to make this job change, you know, we're going we're gonna to lower our, our uh, income and, and uh, our standard of living. I mean, th- some things that say, well, we're moving in the wrong direction. There'd be some earthly wisdom that would say, don't do that. But God ends up through his direction and his timing saying, you do this anyway. Um, but you study. You study who God is and what his what his ways are about, and you, you stand upon those foundations, and then God speaks to you. Um, uh, the, the first part of, of chapter 2, as we get into it, uh, is going to talk about, it says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure at my commandments with you, and it's, uh, it's a dad that's talking to, to sons. Uh, um, so uh, think of it, a, a parent speaking to, to kids, um, if we if we think about that, and I, I don't I didn't give this uh, to Kevin for for showing on the screen, but uh, Deuteronomy six talks uh, to us about how important it is that if you're a parent or when you are a parent, that you're one that strategically gives knowledge, truth, and presses wisdom into your kids, um, and this needs to be from day one. You don't wait until a child comes to 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 faith in Christ to start teaching them the Bible and teaching them the good things uh, about who God is. Um, you don't wait until um, your child is baptized to tell them, uh, to tell them how, um, uh, to, to tell them to memorize Scripture and to get truths about God within them. Um, those are things that become the foundation for later on in life. And so... Uh, don't be afraid to teach your child right and wrong even before their hearts are changed. Okay? That's what wisdom is. It's good to be good. It's still bad to be bad. But wisdom and knowledge itself does not save. Or semblance of goodness in and of itself doesn't impress God. Only trusting in the goodness of Jesus Christ is what brings faith and, and what saves us. But... but uh, here it says about the importance of wisdom to children. Now, the, the truth and the wisdom itself, first of all, um, Deuteronomy 6, 5, you shall love the Lord your God with your heart, with your soul, and with all your might. Now, that's talking, it's talking primarily to the parents. And so I, I talk to you guys as adults, and even if you're not married or you don't have kids yet, you're to press into your life these things now so that later on you're able to do the next part. Um, you can't give away what you don't have, right? Um, dig your well before you're thirsty, all right? Before you ever have kids, go ahead and start saying, all right, God, help me to be the model that my kid is going to need later on in life now. Because then uh, it says, and these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign in your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. All right, now, we don't have time to unpack that. Another time we will. But basically, this says, in the morning, 
in the afternoon and in the nighttime. May your focus be on God and His ways. Guys, y'all say, say God and His ways. Okay? This is what wisdom is. Wisdom is the seeking of God and the seeking of His ways. Some would say, some would, some would teach or preach in a way that wisdom is only finding the ways of God. But it's not supposed to be one instead of the other. You're to seek God first. Before you seek the wisdom, you seek the wise one. You hear me? You seek the wise one, and then you'll get the wisdom. Um, Now, something very practical that I want to challenge you guys with, and and, uh, you you men, you women, and and men, you may be a student in here, that this is practical for you right now, is that I challenge you for the next three months that on a daily basis that you would read the chapter of Proverbs according to that date. There's 31 chapters uh, in the book of Proverbs. And uh, this, this, for some of you, God will say, this needs to be a daily a daily schedule for you is to go through and to read a chapter of the book of Proverbs because the book of Proverbs is, is all of these scattered verses and scattered truths and, and they'll, they'll kind of clump at times and then they'll, they'll jump from topic to topic at times. And what's amazing is, is that you, if you will continually seek the wisdom that's in the book of Proverbs... There's going to be something on a daily basis that is going to jump out to you and say, you're going to say, holy mackerel, that, that's exactly what I need for today. Or what happened yesterday, that brings the truth of, that's, that's how I screwed that up. Or to say, oh, thank you, God, for helping me to make that decision because of this in my life. Thank you, Lord, that I, I didn't go around that person's back. Thank you that I, I trusted you with my name and did what was right with integrity rather than compromising. Thank you, God. I trust you. I trust you with that. And so uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you later on, you know, who of you guys will, will take that challenge on? Now, here's a, a second part of that challenge for some of you is during the work week or during the school week is that you would combine reading that chapter of Proverbs with a chapter of James. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. There's five chapters in the book of James. And James also has some similarities and it's, it's proverbial in a lot of ways and it jumps around as well. And you will be amazed if you go about two or three months and so you will have read through the book of James four to eight times and how it will match up many times those chapters or a truth in there, how it will match up with what you've just read in the book of Proverbs. If you'll do this for three or four months, for some of y'all, if you do this for a, a year or two, You'll, you'll be amazed at what you will see around you and what you'll see in yourself, how it will bring evidence to your life of like, man, I've been such a fool in that, that area of my finances. I've been, I, I'm, I've been so foolish the way that I, the way that I, I talk or the way that I bring, I bring guilt you know, uh, to, to my, my wife instead of grace. Uh, God, will, God will challenge you there. Um, as we walk through this book, the book the, this chapter, uh, chapter 2, um, it's not going to get into all the specifics, specific truths of wisdom that I would say the book of Proverbs will bring you. But what you're going to see is the foundation of the why. Why is it you should dig in? How do you dig in? And then also what are some major big picture results that take place when you dig in and seek wisdom? 
So um, again, verse 1, my son, if you, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you. So this is, you have the, you have the, the term if, you got that word in there, if you do this. And what you're going to find is there's going to be some thens and some so's that's going to come up. That if you choose the way of wisdom, then there are results that will take place in your life. Now, you must reverse engineer this to know if you do not seek this, then you can contrast and, and kind of flip it to see what will take place in your life as a result of this. So, um, again, going back to the Deuteronomy 6, it's vital that y'all who are parents or would like to be a parent someday, that you are first storing up the commands of God within you and that you're teaching them strategically to your, to your kids. Um, I'm trying to, think, uh, trying to think what the actual number is. And some, some of you may go to Wolfram Alpha or Google this to try to find it out. But it seems like, it seems to me that between, um, between uh, day, day one and, and uh, year 18 of a child's life, it seems like it's about 10,000 days um, that are there. Um, somebody can look it up and fi- find out approximately what it is. Uh, whatever it is, whatever the number is, that needs to be something that, even if you're not even a parent yet, that you start thinking through, okay, when that time comes, that seems like a long time, but it's not. And how can I think through 18 years and reverse engineer it to say, all right, God, how can I be diligent in imparting the truth of who God is and what His ways are to my kids how can, how can we raise them up to, to know the wisdom that's in the Scriptures when it comes to how, to how to know Jesus, how to know others, how to know yourself, and how to walk out mission, how to understand your, your skill set, how to understand um, who God has made you to be and how you fit within, within God's kingdom um, and to be strategic with that. I mean, I look at, I look at um, my oldest son, Blake, he turned 16 a, a few months ago, and I'm like, all right, God, we got less than two years. All right, what are the most important things uh, to plant within him before he flies the coop? And mom has uh, a cry fest, you know, and me too. I mean, what, what do we need to do? Because the time, it's ticking away. What do we need to do? Um, it uh, not only applies, though, to... Uh, uh, to to, to parents, um, but I think this has a lot to do with just the community God has called us to, uh, that we're to be disciple makers, that every one of you, if, if you're a Christian in here, that you need to be asking God to help you in three primary areas in your life, to, in, in the way that you are a disciple, in the way that you're being discipled, and in the way that you're discipling others, okay? You are a disciple, you should be discipled, and you should be discipling. All right? This, following Jesus, that's you. How, how are you digging into the Word of God? How are you getting to know God more? How are you surrendering and saying, God, transform me, being a disciple? How is it, though, and, and who is in your life at a peer level or specifically at a mentor level that's pouring into you, that's challenging you, that's walking with you, that you're being discipled by this other person? Who is it? in your life right now. Uh, and I, 
maybe what you need to do before, uh, before the day's up is you send a, little, a text or an email or you make a phone call to the, to the one, two, three, five, ten people that are at the mentor or peer level that, man, they're pouring into your life consistently. There's others in which they poured in your life in the past. It's good to thank them as well. But who are the people right now? I'm not just talking about people adding value that are good for you and that you, you would love hanging out with. And that's healthy. But who are the people that they're gospel people in your life? That they're the ones that keep bringing it back to the cross. That keep bringing it back to grace. Who are those people in your life right now? Contact them and say, thank you. Thank you that you challenge me. Thank you that you rebuke me. Thank you that you encourage me. That you continue to point me back to Jesus and what he did on the cross. And, and again, uh, it's, it's being a disciple, being discipled, but also discipling. A dream that we have in this church that, that is, is happening and yet we want to see it continue to flourish is that there's what, what I call trickle-down discipleship. That, that there's nobody, no matter what their age, that would say, I can't pour into somebody else's life. I can't disciple. There's some who'd say, you know what, Dave, you've got such a young church and I'm, uh, I'm 60 or I'm 65, I'm 70. I've I got nothing, nothing to offer. That's a bunch of crap. We need, we need those that are older than us, that have walked the path to pour into us as a church, to, that it would trickle down. You are important within this church. But there are some of you guys, your, your students, middle school, elementary, and you say, you know, I, I can't do anything. But you know, what we want to do is we want to strategically place you, not to where all the pressure is on you as a student, but maybe you're teaming up with a, another disciple maker, maybe working with, with kids uh, uh, in other areas to where you are being used to, to love. Maybe, um, I mean, I don't necessarily want kids rocking babies, uh, but, but, uh, um, but uh, other kids that you're, you're, you've got some that are three grades or five grades beneath you and, and man, you're adding value to them and you're pointing them to Jesus. And you don't have to have it all figured out either. But you're in the game. You've got skin in the game. So we want everybody to know that, that we're to be involved in what God wants to do. And it says we're to receive His words and treasure His commandments. And so as I said before, wisdom is ultimately the seeking of God and of His ways. We say... We say, God, I, I want you above all else. That more than anything in my life, what I, what I desire or even what I desire to desire is that I would want you above all else. And, and I'm not sure which category you guys are in this morning. If you're in that where you're just like, man, I, I just, my heart is, I want Jesus. And I want, I want to be a warrior for Him. I want to be in His mission. I want to be plugged in. You know, then just... Keep walking that out, knowing that grace covers you and you don't have to be perfect. But there may be some of you in here just like, well, maybe I used to be like that or maybe I've never been like that, but I desire to have that desire. You know what? Start right there. Just say, God, here's where I am. And I haven't been walking it out. I haven't been living it out. But just trust that that is the, actually the heart that He has already put within you that somehow we hide. Somehow we kind of push aside and we believe untruths. We believe, I really don't love Jesus. I don't really want to follow Jesus.
But God has said, I've, I've made you a new creature. And, and strangely, I mean, we're kind of bipolar at times because we have a dead heart that's, that's within us in a way that, that fights against Him. But we have a tendency to believe an old dead heart more than we believe what God has birthed within us. Guys, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives within you. He's created a new heart, and that heart loves and desires God. By faith, you need to declare it. You say, God, I, I refuse to believe just what I've always done or what I've always decided. I, I, I will believe what you've said about me, that you've started something within me, Lord. You've given me a new heart, and that's a heart that really does love you. And you say, God, I desire for the desire. Start there, and God will God will give it. God will give it to you to seek Him. So you say, God, I, I want you above all else. Or you may even say, God, I, I desire to want you above all else. But you also say to God, I, I, want, I want to walk according to your design for life. So you're seeking God and you're seeking His ways. You're saying, all right, God, I'm rejecting I'm rejecting my own perspective unless my perspective lines up under who you are. We need to learn to question our perspective. We'll come back to that in a minute. Verse 2 says, Making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Making your heart, your ear attentive and inclining your heart to understanding. You guys, do you realize that because God is saying this, that that means He empowers you to do this? This is kind of going back to that new heart. Without God, without, without Him changing us, we really, we may have concepts about who God is, and may we, we want to be good, but it's our definition of good. And we may want God, but it's our own definition of who God is. And it's only when He changes us that it really frees us to be able to seek Him. But know that you are freed. Free will. Free will is, is really and truly only after God has changed your heart and given you a new heart. But know that, that every day you wake up, if, as a Christian, you wake up with a free will. That you're actually able to, to just say, Nah, God, I got it. I got it on my own. And, and I do that. I do that way too much. Um, but God's good enough that He allows the, the walls to crush, crush me when I do that. That's actually not His, His anger or rage against me. It's His mercy that He allows there to be pain when I reject Him and try to do it in my own, my own flesh. Um, but he, he enables us. And so what you need to say is you just need to say, God, I, I believe. I believe that you've enabled me to make my ear attentive and incline my heart toward you. And, and guys, this is something that's not passive, but it's active. Um, it's strategic. It's not, it's not lazy. Um, I mean, y'all, I mean we're, we're in a scientific community here. Many of y'all, you know the, the laws of thermodynamics. You know that, uh, that they state that all things move toward entropy. This a gradual decline toward disorder. And that's what happens even in your spiritual life. Is if you just kind of put it on coast, it's just like, you know what? All right, I got it. And I've got, I've studied, I've, I've read, I've read, uh, I've read five chapters in the last month. And so, I mean, I'm, I think I'm good for about another month coasting on that. Entropy. It jumps in. You, you don't passively become stronger. You can't be lazy 
and grow in wisdom. You need to, through volition, you need to be intentional. Not intentionally lazy, but you need to be intentionally a worker that just says, God, I want to seek you. You don't get stronger or smarter by doing nothing. It's it's the opposite. And it's it's hard. It's well, it's challenging work. It's difficult work. But man, it pays off so much. Verse three says, Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. You call out and you raise your voice. Who do you call out to? Who do you raise your voice to? Is I mean, did you know that there's actually there's some uh, cults out there? Um, they're, I don't know if they call themselves the Sophia, Sophia group. It's got the, the word in there, the, the, the word, the root word for, uh, wisdom is Sophia. I actually met a, met a little girl named Sophia, uh, this morning and, uh, said, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about wisdom. I was actually telling that to her, her parents, not to her because she didn't quite get it. But, uh, but that's the, the root of the, the word wisdom is Sophia and, uh, there's folks out there that they will actually, they worship the personification. Uh, they believe Sophia is an actual entity, almost like a goddess. Some would say even is a goddess that uh, lives alongside of, of the God of the Bible. And that's just, that's just a bunch of, bunch of crap. Um, that's not true. But, um, but you don't call out to Sophia. You don't call out to Mary. You don't call out to other saints, supposedly. You call out to Jesus. You say, God, I want insight. God, I need understanding. Uh, let me ask you guys this. You with me? Um, when, is, when is the last time you prayed for wisdom? I don't mean the last time you thought about it. I don't mean the last time that you had anxiety or worry because of the circumstances in your life. I'm saying when's the last time that you, speaking to Jesus, speaking to your dad, that you said, I need wisdom. Please give me wisdom. When is the last time that you said that to God? Let me read something to you that will bring, shed a little light about the way that we strategically reach out for wisdom. James 1, 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, and that's you and me, all of us, if you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Um, I've mentioned this before, but just in case that you haven't heard this, there's, there's some irony that's built within that verse there that James has given to us. It says, if you lack wisdom, ask of God. He gives it generously without reproach. It says, without reprimand. And it's, it's kind of this play on words that's in there that's saying, that's saying, you know what, when you ask of God, he's not going to punish you for asking for wisdom. He's not going to guilt you and say, well, you're pretty stupid, aren't you? Slap that hand. How dare you? Rather, he says, you're blessed if you recognize that you don't have it all together, but God does. He will not reprimand you from praying for wisdom. Rather, he will bless you for asking for wisdom. It will be given to him. But let him ask in faith. With no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. That little section there is basically saying, look, 
If you ask Him for it, just know that He is not, He's not going to play games with you and say, all right, here's the wisdom. Oh, you almost got it. You know? Psych. That's not what He's going to do. God is a good God that says, if you ask for wisdom, I'm going to supply it. I'm going to give it to you. Now, you may say, well, man, I prayed, I prayed about this big decision, and I prayed about that, that decision, and when I finally pulled the trigger after prayer and all, everything imploded. Guess what? We don't always get it right. That's why grace is wonderful. But God is not going to withhold wisdom from you. He's one that, that uh, He's going to help you. And strangely enough, He's so powerful, He's so smart, it might even be that He knows that you're not even going to make the decision right, but the wisdom comes on the other side. So you don't have to look and say, Oh, I failed. I'm such a failure. Become an Eeyore. Oh, I'm just, I just never get it right. Did you know that God, He knows that you're going to make mistakes? And the wisdom, sometimes it's just on the other side of that. Celebrate it. Celebrate grace. Just say, God, thank you that even when I screw it up royally, Lord, that you're right there, you love me, and, and you're faithful to provide wisdom. Wisdom doesn't always come before the decision, you guys. But God's faithful to give wisdom. Just trust him. Verse 4, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, seek it, search for it. I mean, you guys, you guys hear how active and strategic and intentional the verbiage is here? Compare that, compare that to where you are in the seeking of truth and your hunger for God, the hunger for His Word. Compare it. And where are you? Are you lazy? I'm lazy sometimes. I mean, if, you, if you've been a Christian, especially if you've been a Christian for years or decades, man, it's just, it's so tempting and so easy for us just to say, you know, I've got all this stored up knowledge. You know, I'm just going to rely on that. And ultimately, you're just saying, God, I, I don't really need your fresh breath or to, for you to speak into where I'm at. God, I'm just going to trust on what you did in the past. I'm just going to trust in what I know. And again, that's an affront to God. Take what you know, but pray it. Say, right, God, this is what appears to me, based on my understanding, based on the Word of God and what I've seen already, Lord, it looks like the wisest decision would be to do this and offer it before the Lord. Seriously. Go before God. I mean, if you've, if you've got a good, strong accountability partner, especially if you're married, man, the two of you, Take what you know. Take what the Bible said. Pray it back to God. You say, Lord, here we are. Here's this big decision we have in front of us. And it appears that the best thing to do would be to do this. We're just presenting it to you, God. What, what should we do next? And He'll guide you. He'll give you, give you peace. He'll give you clarity. Sometimes He'll say, pull back and punt. Hold on. Wait. And that's okay. It's all right. Seek it. Search for it. And then you get into the thens what takes place as a result of if you seek God and His ways. That's what real wisdom is. Not just seeking wisdom, but seeking the wise one. God and His ways. If you, if you do it, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Now, guys, understand that first and foremost, that before, before our priority is, God, I've got to have an answer for this thing. God's saying, 
wisdom brings you reverence for God and knowledge of who He is. So the most important thing that we need to be doing in our lives is we need to be growing and understanding who God is and as a result of who He is, what has He done and what has He designed. Are you with me? Seek who He is, then you'll start seeing what He's done because of what His design is. Verse 6, For the Lord gives wisdom, from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. So you seek for it, you search for it. Um, You don't know what the next step is. Don't just pull a trigger. Don't Don't just flip a coin. Search for it. Say, God, I don't just want what my logic says in this. Lord, I want to know what you are about in this. And because of the verbiage that's given in here, it's, it's not something instantaneous a lot of times. Search and you seek. I mean, have you, have you had something like that? I remember being at mom and dad's boathouse a few months back and uh, part, of, part of the skirt, the wood on, on the front area, it had, it had fallen down. And uh, so we pulled that up. I was like, okay, how do we get this back together? And we realized that, that part of the frame that held it together was, was missing. And it was this big, long, long piece of steel about, about uh, 10 feet long. And it was kind of L-shaped uh, to be able to hold things in together. And it was down at the bottom about 9 feet. And I had to, had to dive down um, to try to look for it. And, and the lake, it's Gunnersville Lake. And it's not like Smith Lake where it's nice and clear. It is so silty. At all times, especially when you get close to the bottom, to where you can't see except for about five or six inches in front of your, your face. I'm just so glad I didn't, don't, don't go in there and end up in front of one of those big old catfish or, or gars, you know, that are, that are in different places. Since you can only see a little bit of it, it would be an instant death by heart attack, I think. But I, I couldn't find it. And my, my breath, I could, I could hold my breath for about 60 to 90 seconds under there. But it took about 10 dives till I finally found it and was able to bring it up and uh, for us to, to get it ready to, to replace. Um, that siltiness that's in there is, is kind of like our life. Our perspective is skewed because of, because of the human condition. We can't see very far. And we can't see very clearly in ourselves. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 and 12 says this, When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. That part, first of all, saying that I I, I used to be less wise and I've grown in wisdom. But here this next verse really talks about the reality of our human condition. Even as Christians, for now we see in a mirror dimly. But then, sometimes after death, after what's called glorification, we'll see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Guys, our sight is blurry. Our perspective is is skewed. And so even when you're analyzing things by your greatest logic and from past experiences, it's silty. You can't see as far as God can see. You can't see as clear as God can see. We need the perspective of God. Good news. He gives it. Look at verse 7. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. 
He's a shield to those walking in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of His saints. He stores up wisdom for you guys. I mean, isn't that incredible? I mean, just think about it, that, that every, everything that you're going to face in your life, if you're His child, it's like He's got a bank. It's like, you know what, I've, I've got the wisdom that you need. It may not be the answer. It may that may not be clear understanding, but he's got the wisdom that you need. He stores it up for you. Do you know what that means? That means that he gives us complete access, and when I get it wrong, you know whose fault it is? Me. That I've done something. Maybe I don't believe something quite right about Jesus, or I'm just saying, God, I, I want to do it my own way. And I have not accessed who He is in His ways. He stores it up. And ultimately, this wisdom that He gives, it's like a shield to those. It guards our path and it watches over the way of, of His saints. And He guards us. Now, now guys, we, we, we need to stop trying to contrast God's goodness to our hard circumstances. We need to stop, stop looking at the difficulties that we have and just, just then letting that eat away at what we think of God's goodness because, because life is hard. Guys, the path of Jesus Christ was difficult and He made it plain that we are to take up our cross and follow Him. And if you're in here and you're like, man, I'm, I'm a Christian and if I'm a good enough Christian, if I've got enough faith, everything's supposed to be okay. I'm supposed to be healthy, wealthy, wise. Everybody's supposed to love me. That is not Christianity. You bought a lie. Jesus came and He suffered. And then He said, you want, you want me? Then embrace the suffering that's going to come through following me. Quite a sales pitch, isn't it? Follow me, He says. Guarding us does not mean a life free of difficulty Rather, it means that He stands with us when the circumstances bomb us. Verse 9. Then you'll understand righteousness and and justice and equity, every good path, for wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. Delivering you from the way of evil from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Guys, we live in a time here in America uh, that your what faith is, what love is, what fidelity and what right living is going to be continued continually challenged. Uh, and, and there's going to be just a, 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 an onslaught of people that just say, well, real love looks like this or like this. Or if you really love somebody, you never do this or you always do this. Well, there's all kinds of things that are being, being attacked these days of what God's ways are. And the only way to combat it, the only way to have have insight and perspective is for us to pour over the Bible, to, for, for the Bible to be poured into us. That His story, and we, we're seeking Him and seeking His ways to where 
when we, we, we start analyzing what's going on in, in culture and the culture wars and all, that, all that's happening around us and, and we just say, all right, God, what do you really have to say about this? What do you really have to say about right living and, and about who you are and what your design is and what's it mean to really love as, as a result of those things? If, if, we just, if we just live life, if we just coast, if we're not pouring the Word of God into us, if we're not seeking Him, and looking to find out who He is and what He has done over history, we'll, we'll fall into, into, into um, bad perspective. We'll fall into sin. We'll compromise. 16 through 19 talks about even further that when, when our, our morality is challenged, that when you don't seek wisdom, when you don't seek God, that elements of morality will be eaten away. It says, you'll be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth, forgets the covenant of her God, for her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. Um, It's not just about women. It's really... It speaks, it speaks to that. It speaks to men and women. It really speaks to lust. It speaks to control of other people, um, to where we, we seek. We lust for what we don't have, which includes a lust for acceptance, a lust for love or pleasure from others. And wisdom shows us that when the King, when the Creator, when, when the God of the universe loves you and gives you purpose, you don't have to have, to have the needs met by other people. We don't have to be distracted by others. It says very clearly, man, I mean, that when we get to a place where we're, we, we compromise our morality, it's saying that, man, we've walked down a slippery slope, that we've rejected God and His wisdom. And we get to a place that it says in here, none come back to or none regain the paths of life. Is that saying that there's no forgiveness? No, it's just saying, man, it, that... That the further away you walk from Jesus, the further away you walk from His ways, the more difficult it is, the more hardened that we become. These last few verses. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land. Those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. it. mentions the land. The upright will inhabit the land. It's not talking about, okay, you're going to move neighborhoods. Uh, uh, the promised land, Canaan, is, was, has just continued to be a metaphor for, for God and, and His blessings, for knowing Him and experiencing Him and His, His ways. And the more you seek Him, the more you will see the, the blessings of God manifested in your life. Not without bad circumstances, not without difficulties, but you have Jesus. You have the presence of Him in your life and the protection of Him and the provision of Him in His life. And you seek Him and nothing else will satisfy you. Now what about you guys who are failures and are your own failures? It's like, well, Dave, I, I, this is not all that good 
good news to me because I just keep failing and keep failing and, and keep failing. I obviously don't have very much wisdom. Guys, there's great news for you. God doesn't accept you because of your decisions, bad or good. God accepts you not based on what you do, but based upon what Jesus did on the cross. And all of the the foibles, all of the mistakes, all the sin that you have made, the stuff you're going to do today, and even the rest of your life, Jesus paid for all of that. All of the lack of wisdom, all of the lack of seeking Him, all of, of allowing even there not to be a desire for the desire for Him. Jesus paid for that too. So what we can do is we can have a humble confidence that says, I'm not rejected by God because of the cross. So therefore... I can be transformed. I can step up. My heart is, I have a new heart and I can seek Him with all of my heart. Have you received this? Have you come to a place in your life that, that you, have re, you, you reject your own righteousness? You reject your own goodness? You, you reject the scales that says, well, if I'm just good enough that hopefully God will accept me? Have you rejected that yet and said, God, I, I, will, I would never have made it to you? So therefore, I, I turn, I repent, is what that means. I turn from the seeking of, of me being good enough and I turn to Jesus and say, God, you were good enough. I surrender to you. If you've never done that, man, t- today's the day. I invite you to Jesus. I invite you into grace. I invite you just to say, to throw up your arms and say, God, no more of me. No, I. I'm not going to try to be good enough for you anymore because I can't. Jesus, you were good enough for me. And I surrender. And I'm telling you, if God just moves on your heart and you do that, man, he, he's, he's, he's got you to surrender. Place your faith in Him. And you guys who are Christians, man, it's great, great news. God's empowered. He's, Jesus has paid the price for all the lack of wisdom, for all the stupidity. For all the vices and addictions that you've struggled with or maybe even still struggle with. He's paid for all of that. Believe that Christ has paid for it all. He's taken care of it all. And just say, God, I can seek you. And I can seek your ways. In, a, in just a minute, we're going to pray. And then going to open up the table. And, and what I challenge you to do is that even as, as you go, go to the tables this morning... That you, would, that you would even know that, that the wisdom that's there is not something that was birthed within you. That even the choosing of who God is and the declaration of who He is, it's a miracle that any of us would get to that place because the miracle is God came and He convinced you. He, he opened your eyes. So go to Him and just say, God, I thank You that You're behind the wisdom that de- even declares that You're the Son of God. Declare Him this morning when you... Take that bread and you dip it in there and say, God, you're behind the wisdom, but I join you in saying these wise words that your body was broken for me, for us, that your blood was spilled out for me, for us. Thank you for sharing yourself and your wisdom with me. You might even just say, God, thank you because what you started, you will finish. God, um, thank you for the encouragement that we get. From, uh, from the cross. Um, thank you, Lord, that, that we can seek truth, we can seek wisdom, and, and at the, the core, 
the core of that is, is uh, seeking you and seeking your ways, Lord. That in whatever profession we're in, whatever area we're studying, Lord, that there's so many other applications for us to be hungry for learning and for truth, God. And I mean, we can spend time learning from one another, Lord Jesus. There's so many other applications. But may we start at the foundation, the core, the center that says, God, I, I need you and I want to know you and know your ways, God. We desire you because of the heart that you've given us, Lord. For some of us, we even say, God, give me the desire for the desire. You meet us right where we are. Thank you for grace. Changes. In Jesus' name, amen.